Hi, guys, and welcome to episode 13 of the Healthified Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has for over 15 years delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Not only have I come to better understand the tools we can use to become healthier human beings, but I love gaining new insights and perspectives from others in the field and sharing the health with all of you. This episode of Healthified is brought to you by our sister company, Gratified, a natural foods company I launched in order to make a more impactful change in the packaged food space. Our nutrition bars are made with real food ingredients and blood sugar balance in mind. For a discount off of our products, visit Gratified.com and use the promo code Healthified at checkout. Today's guest is Shannon Siriano, founder and CEO of Rebel Community a community for working women, which supports them both personally and professionally. With a background in marketing and business coaching, Shannon allowed her entrepreneurial spirit to guide her to a role where she feels most aligned, connecting women with other women, giving them a space to share, be vulnerable, and learn. Wellness is a topic that is always talked about at each RebelCon event. She believes it is important for women entrepreneurs to consider their own sense of wellness. For years, she struggled with both mental and physical health. Additionally, she lacked fulfillment and the ability to manage her stress. And we get all into it in this conversation. We discuss stress management, anxiety, postpartum depression, and the steps Shannon takes to feel grounded. How community can better one's sense of health what you can do to find more community in your life and how to make new friends as an adult, how her definition of wellness has evolved over the years and the types of wellness role models she looks up to. Also, quick disclaimer, the sound unfortunately cut out at the very end, hence the abrupt ending. So what you miss is where to find Shannon. So you can head to readytorebel.com to learn more. Let's head to our chat. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on today. I am so excited about this conversation. I feel like I haven't seen you at your face in a while. So this is so great. And just going to use it as an opportunity to kind of catch up with you. Yes, perfect. Yeah. So this is Shannon Seriano. She is the founder and entrepreneurial boss babe of RebelCon, um, which is a entrepreneurial um, event organization that had specialized in doing conferences. They've been around for about four years now, three and a half. Um, and so, yeah, she's amazing. And I'm going to let her take it from here um, and kind of tell you her story and background and uh, how she got to where she is now. Yay. Well, I won't go all the way back because that would be a very long story. But um, <laughs> I think, Sarah, how you and I met was when I had boho, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. so I graduated with a degree in marketing. I worked a few different jobs in operations and marketing, um, and management and leadership. And then I decided to open my first business, which was an indoor cycling studio. And this was right at the beginning of the boutique fitness craze. So at the time there was not other boutique fitness studios other than yoga studios and one bar studio in Richmond, Virginia, which is where I live. And so it was, it felt at the time, it felt like this huge gamble of like, will people in Richmond, which is a mid-sized market, even go with this model, which now it seems so silly. We know that people do, but at the time it was like, oh my gosh, will people actually pay for a class when they can get unlimited classes at the gym? 
Um, so that was kind of where my health crisis began. I struggled with my health as every person does. Um, but my health crisis came when I suffered from postpartum depression after my first baby was born. So on the outside, I looked very healthy, right? I owned a fitness business. I had this great exercise regimen, but I was suffering from a mental health illness that I had forever um, that was totally untreated and still was untreated after I had my baby. So I was struggling for over a year before I actually did anything to intervene. And that was where Sarah and I really connected as you were beginning your health coaching journey. But I always kind of had this like entrepreneurial spirit. So even though I ended up selling my portion of the fitness studio, I knew I still wanted to be in the space and I started business coaching. And then while I was coaching, I was meeting all these amazing people, particularly women, business owners, and that was the inspiration for the first Rebel Con. So the first conference we ever had, we decided we were going to make it about the personal, not the professional side of being a business owner. Um, and since then, we have grown and adapted. So we still do have conferences. They are virtual now, obviously. Thank you, COVID. Um, but that's still a core component of what we do, which is gathering people together, sharing the stories of inspirational leaders. Um, we've expanded beyond serving just entrepreneurs. We really serve women everywhere that just want to live on their own terms. That's obviously pretty foundational to an entrepreneur's desire, right? Like I want to be my own boss and do things my own way. Um, but there's women out there that don't necessarily want to be a business owner, but also want to live those values. Um, we also have a community, so a membership that you can join and be a participant in these types of conversations about what does it mean to live life on your own terms? What does it mean to do things your own way? Whether that's in your health, in your finances, in what you do for work, um, all connected. And then the last piece of what we do is we help women connect and support one another. So we launched last year our Swell program, which is essentially our way of setting you up with your wolf pack. And what I mean by your wolf pack is a core group, a small group of people that you meet with regularly that are just going to be your like cheerleaders, your sounding board, your place to go when you want to work through your thing. And I'm super proud of it because you can talk about wellness in a lot of different ways. And I think often we leave out that part of like community and support. And that's really like my jam and what I do. That's awesome. And I'm so glad you really highlighted that um, towards the end. And it was definitely something I want to discuss is the power of community because you're right. So many people don't think about that when it comes to wellness. And, you know, if we had told our ancestors that they would probably look at us like we were crazy because it was probably the number one thing that they had that kind of influenced their well-being, right? Um, so we will get into that and especially go deeper into RebelCon, but there's some stuff that I want to unpack with your personal health journey. Um, the first of it being, I thought it was interesting that you kind of mentioned the downside of your health during when you owned a fitness studio, which you wouldn't really think about because you would think about people very immersed in that industry, living their healthiest lives, right? No. Um, and yeah, and I, and I want you to go into both the physical and the mental because, you know, 
to be completely honest, like postpartum depression is something that I don't know a lot about. I don't think it's talked enough about. And I know you have been so great using your platform to, to talk about it because the more we talk about things like this, the less taboo there will be surrounding it. So go into both the like mental and physical side of that for me. Yeah. Well, I never learned how to manage stress, right? Ever in my life. Like mm. that wasn't a thing that anybody ever talked about. So I was always this like over performing, high achieving, like go till you can't go anymore. And like, sadly, the fitness industry like thrives on people like that, right? Like you, if you're like really intense and you love working out and you just like really want to like burn calories and get fit, like every single day, like probably you also have challenges with like the striving thing. And so, right. Like take yes, teaching for really intense cardio fitness classes every week while I was pregnant. I don't know that people would look at that and be like, wow, she's really investing in her wellness. Sadly, they do. They look at it and they're like, oh my God, she's so amazing. Like, how can she be working out so hard? And so you get that external validation of like what you're doing is healthy, but it really wasn't. And so I wasn't managing my stress during that time. I was essentially avoiding having to deal with it by making myself really busy part of that being this really intense fitness regimen and neglecting all of the other pieces of my health. And, you know, postpartum depression isn't something that people talk about. It's kind of this thing of like, oh, well, you don't want to like talk about it too much because then you might scare people and then they might like be stressed about it. And it's like, no, like postpartum depression is a very common thing that has very specific warning signs that if yeah. you know what they are, you can look out for them and you can intervene. Um, I'm and now at this point in my life, I'm what I consider an oversharer. And I am proud of that fact that like, yeah. I'm going to talk to you about the struggles and the challenges that I've been through, even if I'm like still going through them. Like I still mm-hmm. suffer from anxiety and depression and my relationship with those things has changed over time. And there's obviously more intense periods and less intense periods. Having a baby is a very intense period of, of anxiety and depression for a lot of people, Yeah, especially if you've already been dealing with this before. So I think what I'm most proud of though is, so I just put it out there I, every once in a while, even though I'm not making babies anymore, I'll just be like, Hey, remember that time I had like debilitating postpartum depression. Like if you think you are having it or, you know, someone who is like, you can call me like I'm here yeah. for that. And literally last weekend, uh, my like good friend from home's little sister who just had a baby texted me and was like, hey, do you know anything about this sleep trainer? And her baby is one month old. So I'm like, she don't need a sleep trainer. Like something's going on. And so mm-hmm. I like my husband's like call her right now. So I like called her and I'm like, hey, like what's going on? Like one month old babies don't sleep. So having a sleep trainer doesn't really do anything for you. Like what's up? Like, how's it going? What's happening? Yeah. And it was awesome to me that like, she couldn't necessarily be like, I'm experiencing something that I think is hard. And like, is it just me or is it right? She didn't know what she, she doesn't know what she doesn't know. Right. And so, although I don't know that she's experiencing depression, I can be like, Hey, no, like, here's what you need to look for. Here's what's going to totally suck here's information that people are going to give you to make you feel bad about yourself. Like F that noise. Like I am here to tell you the real, real. Yes. Oh, which is just so refreshing. And I mean, again, like that just goes back to the power of community because yeah, people, you know, and I, 
it's so fortunate that people are being more communicative, especially in our generation. But like, you know, I think about my mom who likes to, and she'll never listen to this. So if you do, sorry, mom, but sweeps things under the rugs and like pretends like things are okay. And like, don't talk about it. Um, so, I mean, it, it just, it makes you feel less alone. Like the more that you feel as if there's someone that you can reach out to or that you're, you know, offering your help um, and guidance to others. So literally this morning I was on LinkedIn of all places. And this woman that I found that I follow that I am like obsessed with posted this article about female founders in the menopause space mm-hmm. and how the menopause space is not a niche. But if you're talking to investors, they're like, oh, like that's very niche. And it's like, no, 50% (laughs) of the population are women and they will all go through menopause. Like that's not a niche business, but it's this similar, you know, thing with like mental illness, with what happens after you have a baby, like women's experiences, we're taught to not talk about them. And right. The women in the generation before us didn't have safe spaces where they could talk about it. But now Mm -hmm. Things are changing, but we still have to like be the change we want to see in the world, right? Like I want to start talking about menopause right now, because even though that's like maybe 15, 20 years away from me, like I want to know what's coming in a way that I didn't know in these other major transitions in my life and suffered for it. Right. Right. And I think like to your point about what you said about like not talking about it so that people like will kind of be kept in the dark, like there's the last thing you want is for someone to have a baby and then just to be in utter complete shock on top of the struggles that they're already going through. It's like, Oh, I didn't know it would be like this, you know? And And like, literally it's like the same thing with menopause. Like mothers are like, well, I didn't want to tell you because maybe it won't happen to you. And it's like, well, probably it is going to happen to me. So like, (laughs) hello, (laughs) tell me. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to the stress management piece, how do you find as if you've worked on that over the years and where are you now with it? Well, I went into like super like high performing overachieving mode when I was dealing with my depression of like, I'm going to learn everything. I'm going to learn how to meditate. Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn all these methodologies. I'm going to like learn Mm -hmm. everything I can possibly know about how to manage my stress. And I was like stressing myself out learning about how to manage my stress. Um, but I did go through a mindfulness-based cognitive therapy course with my therapist. So basically like meditation from a therapist's perspective. Um, so I learned about meditation. I learned about like understanding my emotions and my thoughts and like, what are they? And I worked with a meditation teacher. I do have a pretty spotty meditation practice, but it exists. Mm. I'll have Mm. like periods where I'm like super awesome and I'm meditating every day. And then I'll have periods that it's like a couple times a week, but in learning how to manage my stress, I'm also learning how to manage my expectations on how I'm going to manage my stress because being stressed about being stressed is not going to help you. So I've learned. Like it took me many years to learn this, but I have learned it. Um, and so that's like a main, a main like tool that I have. I mean, I've been through a lot of therapy. I still work with coaches and outside perspective in COVID times. I've had to really like relook at my stress and like when I'm feeling stressed yeah. and what I do. And I absolutely noticed that the isolation and being alone 
even though I consider myself an introvert, like I do need to see other human beings or reach out and have connection and that feeling. That's another way I manage my stress. Like when I'm feeling really stressed now, I realize like I need to phone a friend. Like I need to talk to another person. And that's again, another tool that I have to use to manage when I'm not feeling centered or grounded or whatever those words are we like to use, but like in balance, I guess. I don't know what the answer to that yeah. is. There's no like, there's no like perfect state that I'm trying to achieve by managing my stress, right? Like there's no like, yeah. this is the relaxed me. Like that person doesn't right. exist. Everything is yeah. up and flows. But when I notice yes. that I'm like really feeling anxious, these are the tools I come back to. Yeah. And medication. Awesome, it? I almost yeah. forgot yes. that one. And I yes. want to say that one because I want it to be like Good. documented, like also I take medication to manage my stress and anxiety. And that is a thing I resisted for a very long time because I thought it made me weak or that I'd be dependent or I had all these other beliefs that I don't even know where they came from about what it meant to be on medication for stress, um, anxiety, and depression. And then I started taking medication for anxiety and depression. I was like, what was I doing? putting myself on this struggle bus for no reason. So that's on my list as well. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you said that. And I was talking to someone about this the other day about just like a beautiful marriage of Eastern and Western medicine. I feel like a lot of people when they're too much in the holistic health side of things. um, Yes. Like you said, it's almost as if the Western medicine, like it becomes this thing to try to avoid at all costs, like that there's something that you can do, or, you know, you can meditate your way out of needing it. But when you can use both, it is, can just be such a wonderful thing. Yeah. I think the thing that I had to learn the most about that is my life is what it is. I live in America. I have family, like I have all of these things and like that contribute to my lifestyle that I can't meditate my way away from, right? Like I need the support of additional tools because I'm not going to like leave everyone and move to a mountain and meditate by a stream every morning and like only listen to the sound of gongs. Like that's not realistic for my life. So I need to figure out like, what are the tools that I need based on how I want my life to be? Do I need to cut out toxic people that drain my energy? Sure. But like, I'm not leaving my whole family and they drain my energy sometimes. Let me tell you. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. It's about. <laughs> yes. And I think that that just kind of brings up a really good point about, you know, your external environment versus your internal environment. I was talking to Ellie, who I've had on here about this yesterday and just about how when, um, Alex and I went backpacking for three months and we kind of just like transplanted ourselves away from our world here. And just, it was a very magical three months and, but not the way that, you know, the real world works. And, you know, she, we were kind of pinpointing some of the ways that I felt, you know, and that you can bring that inner environment kind of wherever you are. I mean, obviously there's material in your external that can make it more difficult. Right. But if that's the work is to just be like, how do I want to feel in my daily life? And knowing that you have the power and the control to take steps to get there easier said than done a lot of the times, but consciousness for it can be more conducive to creating it. Right. 
Yeah. And just like realistic expectations, right? Like vacation vibes are a real thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. I've read articles that are like food tastes different on vacation than it does Mm -hmm. when you eat it in your life. And like, yes. Okay. Now that I know that, can I try to create a more vacation-like environment when I eat my meals? I mean, sure. You can do that to a degree, but it's never going to be the same as like if you're really on vacation. Yeah. Do your best. Right. And so kind of along those lines, the last thing I want to ask about meditation is, you know, a lot of the times people think that in order to meditate, they have to have like a formal seated practice, um, which can be really powerful, but just given everything that you've learned about it and your practice in and of itself, do you still find yourself kind of implementing the mindset, the tools, even when you're about your daily life, like, you know, what, let's say you're caring for your children and you just have to take a beat and like feel your feet, right? Like, don't you think that that's effective? Absolutely. Having just mindfulness practices and Mm -hmm. like understanding body sensations is helpful. I know for me as a person that really does struggle with anxiety, a seated practice is a different type of anchor, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a protected time to remember the tools that you have at your disposal versus trying to implement your tools in your life. Like I think of those as two different things that complement each other. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, Okay. So I want to shift gears a little bit to the business side. Um, And something that you said in your background, I think just illustrates so beautifully you as an example of someone who you were going down a path, right. With business coaching. Um, and because I know you personally, I know that that line of work for you was very in alignment with who you are, but it was not fully aligned with what you wanted to do. And I think that you literally pinpointed the thing that you love and that is such a gift for you in the connections and the networking and being able to connect various people to sort of, um, like I'm a prime example, you've connected me with someone in the community and I was able to write a cookbook out of it. Just things like that, that you just have such a talent for. Um, so I just wanted to highlight that and, and how so many people think that if they're going down a certain path, it must be it. If, even if there's like this little voice, that's like, oh, this isn't exactly it. So can you talk about that moment where you knew that you wanted to shift gears to do something else besides the business coaching and the position that you were in and I like mean, what it took to kind of take me that leap. sound like I did so many things intentionally, which I appreciate that. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, what I've learned now, like literally having operated three different businesses is like two things. Doesn't matter what you're doing. The thing you start out to do is never the same thing that you're going to end up doing. Like every business mm-hmm. evolves and your role in it evolves. And like, that's just like the nature of how, especially a service-based business, right? But products too, like you think you're going to make one type of product and then this random thing ends up being your bestseller. I mean, you, I'm sure you've experienced that. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the first part. There wasn't necessarily like a moment where I was like, this is how I'm going to use all of my talents and interests and gifts to like make money and support people I care about. Like <laughs> that would be awesome yeah. if that's how it went down. It was more of a... I enjoy coaching. It's definitely still like a part of just how I operate in the world, but I was becoming depleted by taking on 
the problems of all of my clients because I'm a very empathetic mm person. So like, I'm feel like I'm struggling to run seven businesses now because I have seven clients, even though like, I'm not actually doing that. I'm just meeting with oh them once gosh, a week. Yeah. Um, so like that energetic, like drain was definitely felt like after the first couple of years of primarily working one-on-one coaching clients. And so I was looking at kind of my options, right? Like I can do what other coaches do, which is like package up services or do group programs or create a course or, you know, what are the other ways that people that are in similar things do, or I can kind of go this totally different direction. And so after we did, I guess it was like three or four conferences. I can't really remember. I was like, I think that I can figure out a way to like grow this, to replace Mm -hmm. the money that I made before. I wasn't at the place that it had grown to replace my coaching income. And I wasn't like, if I have more time, it's going to explode. Like I wasn't in either of those camps. I was more of just like, Mm -hmm. I think I'm willing to like sacrifice the money now to try to pursue this other thing and see how it goes. Um, I think what I've learned in the last year is everything takes longer than you think it's going to (laughs) take. And so again, my expectations have kind of shifted on like, what do I want my role to be now versus what was it when I was like, literally just trying to create my dream job? Like I'm kind of out of that mode now. Right. Which I think a lot of service providers start there. You're like, what am I good at? What can I get people to pay me for? And you kind of start there. Mm And then Mm -hmm. I'm at this place now of like, okay, I know I'm good at these things, but I'd really like this not to be the thing that I spend my time doing in this business. And so that's kind of where Mm -hmm. I'm right now. Yeah. That's really interesting because, you know, kind of thinking back on it and how much RebelCon exposed you to various entrepreneurs who would, you know, probably pay hand and foot to have you as their business coach. Did you um, have to say no a lot to that in order to kind of stay in that alignment that you had found with the conferences? I don't know that I had to do it a lot because I think what people like about working with me is that I can make them feel like they can accomplish whatever it is that they want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I think that's one of my gifts as a coach of like, I can make you see the potential in you that you maybe can't see. And I still get to do that as part of rebel. I did have um, a member of the community a couple of weeks ago be like, Hey, are you, taking clients anymore. And I was like, tempting, so tempting, but no. Mm -hmm. Um, And I encouraged her to join one of our swell programs because I've talked to her and really what she needs is community, not a coach. And I think Mm. that was also what I was finding when I was coaching of like your things that you're going through. You just need someone to listen to that and like validate your feelings. Like, you know what you're doing And Mm -hmm. so that's where I think the community piece comes in. And oftentimes, right, we hire a coach when really what we need is a community. Yeah. So that is the perfect segue to talk more about the power of community, especially as it pertains to health, because we've touched on this, but it has not been as regarded as a a facet of, you know, one's wellness regime, if you will. Um, But I think it's getting more recognized as being very important, especially now with COVID. Um, So can you talk a little bit more about the importance of community, both kind of like in the general sense and for you personally? 
Well, I think the reason why community is not really discussed as part of wellness is because it's not easy to like sell you something to solve, mm-hmm. right? Like I can sell you a food or a workout regimen or this product. I can't really sell you friends. I mean, I'm trying, <laughs> but like, it's harder to do. So, um, so yeah, so I think that's why, but right. I do think COVID has made people understand just the value of connectedness because they haven't been mm-hmm. able to have it, but you know, this was a core part of what we're doing from the beginning. And what I was seeing even at that time was people don't belong anymore. There is, you know, just frightening numbers of the decline in participation in organized religion. And like, I don't care what religion you practice or don't practice. I think what people don't realize is that source of community and feeling of connectedness within your, where you live was really important. And we got confused and we're like, no, I just don't want to hear this message or I don't want to be associated with this particular thing. And it's like, no, no, like you just spending time with other people that aren't exactly like you is really important. And social media has this way of like feel us feeling like we're connected, but with algorithms, you are only going to see other people that think like you think and have experiences like you have. And that's a problem. So what I didn't realize when I was going through my own health crisis is I did not have a community. Like I had friends that I would like hang out with. I had my husband, I have family, but I didn't have like a core group of people that I could call for whatever reason, like something important or something not important. We don't invest in friendships the way we invest in our career or our health even. Like it's just not high on the priority list for whatever reason. I'm sure there's like plenty of social studies that can tell you why. I don't actually know. But (laughs) what I found for myself is once I started building that for myself. Once I had this, this core group of people that I could call for anything, I like a light bulb went off in my head of like, Oh my God, like I didn't realize I was missing this until I had Mm -hmm. it. And so Mm -hmm. that has been kind of my driving force and why I'm trying to promote what we're doing more and get more people to realize that this is important. You don't realize you don't have it until you have it oftentimes. And I'm so grateful that I had the chance to build this for myself pre-COVID because that has been one of the core things that have gotten me through of just having someone outside of a relationship that I'm a person I'm married to or a person in my family that I can call and be like, shit is cray. Like I need you to listen to me (laughs) talk for however long until I calm down and then being like, yeah, "Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, Having your feelings validated by another human. Oh, I mean, this is why we go to therapy, right? But I think that also like goes back to the same thing of like, you might need community over a coach. Like, I mean, everybody needs therapy, but you might just need other people that you get to share your feelings with. Like that might be the really big thing that's missing for you. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to do. It really is. Um, especially in like a society that individualism, um, has just, it's, 
been so carved out, right? And um, even kind of listening to you talk, I mean, I think for me, my issue personally um, has always been trust, especially when it comes to other women. Um, because, you know, I have experiences in my past where that trust was broken or I got hurt by very close friends. Um, and, you know, not to say that I was a saint by any means, um, but it can be tough as women because women can be ruthless. And I have a big problem with that. And I think, but, you know, Rebelcon was one prime example of a time where I didn't feel like that because it was just so supportive. Yeah. Well, and Sarah, it's not your fault that you feel that way because we're socialized that way. Like we're socialized to be individualists. We're socialized to not trust each other. We're socialized to have this idea that like, there's only so much room for us. So we're all competing against each other. But I would share that like, we have bad experiences in romantic relationships and we then carry that baggage with us. But like, we don't stop pursuing that in the same way that like we opt out of having friends and I don't really know why that is but it's a thing and it's possible I um I don't know I think I have been very fortunate to meet the women that I I'm friends with at the time in my life that I was ready to know them. And I think that's another Mm -hmm. piece too, right? You do have to do work on yourself before you can have relationships with other people, no matter what kind of relationships they are. And that's what we're doing at Rebel. And so I think that's why that the feeling is different of like, we're all here to work on ourselves so that we can be better supports for each other. Like that's Mm -hmm. really at the core of what we're doing. And Yeah. I hope that I, I set the example and so does our team of like, this is how we treat each other so that there's not that competition or distrust or feeling as if someone's trying to get something from you without giving back in return. Yeah. So after, or kind of while, and after kind of building this for yourself, how has your own personal health changed? I mean, I lived through COVID. I don't know how that yeah. happened. I mean, this has been a really stressful and challenging year from yeah. all angles. I don't know that I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I definitely can't say that. Um, but I am not suffering in a way that I have before. So mm-hmm. I consider these people just as important in my health practices as I do my meditation, as I do all of the other components. So, yeah. And that was kind of my next question was how has your level of happiness changed? Because health and happiness always go hand in hand for me. And, um, I I kind of heard you say it, but that the past year has been very stressful and there's a lot of days and times where it was hard to feel happy. Um, but I guess what I'm hearing you say is just being able to have this community kind of mitigated, the negativity as much as it could. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm not striving for happy anymore. I, again, mm-hmm. like it's all about like resetting expectations. Like mm-hmm. I am, my goal is to just like be fulfilled and be as present as I can. Right. Like absolutely. I'm going to feel happy Love sometimes. That. Absolutely. I'm going to feel sad sometimes. I'm going to be super stressed sometimes. Cause that's like my go-to 
And sometimes I'm going to be on vacation and I'm going to be like, this tastes delicious, whatever it is that I'm eating because food tastes better on vacation. So um, I think that's more it all comes full circle. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, right. Just like I, I don't like the word balance, but that is more what it is. Right. I'm just trying to find like a baseline that I can like wave above and below versus like seeking enjoyment all day, every day. It's just not realistic for me. Yeah. Um, Well, that's very real and raw to hear. And I'm sure that many people are nodding um, hearing you say that. So um, I think that's amazing advice. Um, And so what would you tell somebody who's, you know, looking for more of a sense of community and kind of doesn't really know where to turn to, especially now in this COVID world? Yeah. I mean, obviously I want to plug the rebel community that you should come join us because we're so cool, (laughs) but no, I mean, there's other, there's other ways too. I mean, not everybody's a joiner, right? Not everybody wants to be a part of something that's like an organized community, but you can reach out and connect with other people. I've actually been talking about this a lot lately. I think it's hard to meet new people anyway. COVID makes it like even harder, but Mm -hmm reconnecting with people that you knew in the past can be a great way to start building community or asking people to introduce you to other people. Like those are two pretty easy ways to just get out there. But it remember, like it is kind of like dating, like you have to find your people. It takes time. I would say it took me like probably two years to like really build solid relationships with a core group. Right. I think that was another motivation for us creating swell of like, we're going to kind of like just set you up and it's like a blind dating service for friends. But, um, but right. Like that's not on everyone's radar or possibility for everyone to be able to show up in that way, but you can reconnect with people you knew before that maybe you've lost touch with. And you can ask people to introduce you to other people that they think you would get along with. Yeah. And especially now, like, I don't even think that that is like, even if it's someone you haven't talked to in years, like, I just feel as if this time is causing us to want to reconnect with people. And what you said earlier about being an introvert, I mean, right there with you, like there was I had to say no a lot. There was a lot of, you know, weekend days where I just like wanted to be by myself. And I think that it almost has kind of swung us in the other direction because the majority of the time we were introverts kind of doing extroverted things because that's just the way the world works. Right. And especially when we're business women and around other people and putting ourselves out there. Um, so you had to kind of really carve out that time for yourself. Um, but when now the world is, more of you're by yourself. Now you have to kind of carve out time to be just a little bit more extroverted, um, which it's kind of funny how that has flipped. Yeah. So back in pre COVID times, we did this workshop for the rebel community where we had this like really awesome woman named Carrie Sue come and teach us this sticky note brainstorming technique. She used to work at the Pentagon Mm -hmm. and this is like a brainstorming process that people, um, would use to like solve problems. She's like, but you need a problem or a thing that you're trying to solve to be able to learn the technique. So we picked the problem of making friends as an adult. Right. And so we had like 50 Mm, people come to this workshop and we all crowdsource like what, what it really takes to like make a friend as an adult. And the two things that I remember from this workshop that like stuck in my mind so much, like 
One was repetition. Like you have to meet people more than once for there to be a relationship developing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and you have to initiate it and you have to follow up. So it's like, it's just, again, just like dating. Like you have to spend more than one time with them to be friends with them. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one was vulnerability and the Mm -hmm. metaphor that kind of came out of it, or I don't even know if it's a metaphor example that came out of it was if you clean your house before you invite someone to come over, that's not really like friendship, right? The friend you want to come over is the one that you come over when my house is messy, but like you kind of have to start at that place. Like you don't necessarily want to be a full on overshare like I am, right? Because I think that can scare people, but like you have to be willing to let people see a little bit of your mess if they're going to get to know you well enough to be your friend. And so those are the things that we facilitate in our groups, but those are things you can do even without joining something. So yeah. And I think as an adult, that's probably why it's a little bit more difficult because I feel like people need to feel as if they need to put up a wall or portray themselves in a certain way where like people can sense that. Like if I, you know, and I tend to be an overshare too, hands down. Um, and you know, if I was trying to make a friend to somebody who was just like putting on this front and that's not the way I operate, like you don't get attracted to that as much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It, and it takes yeah, longer so. for like a bond to be formed. So yeah, for sure. Um, so getting into more RebelCon stuff a little bit, yeah. um, you know, especially since you have come into contact with so many amazing women and that all conferences touch on subjects of creativity and money and wellness, um, you know, being a big facet. So after however many conferences you've led and however many speakers you've heard talk, kind of how has your um, idea of wellness evolved over the years? Yeah. Well, I think the people that I'm most inspired by are the people that wouldn't you wouldn't pick them out of a lineup and be like that's a wellness professional right Mm. because what I've recognized is being well it means different things to different people like Mm -hmm. being healthy also doesn't have a true definition that can be measured by metrics right Mm -hmm. I think that's been the biggest challenge right for people to like figure it out for themselves and also it's why people always feel like they don't measure up right Mm -hmm. so health is not a destination we talk about that right like there's not like I do x y and z and now I'm healthy right it's a thing that Mm -hmm. you are working towards and working on all the time and not to say that like there's, you shouldn't set goals for yourself or do things that, you know, make you feel good. It just means like, there's not a prescription. There's not someone that they can meet you and be like, Hey, you need to do X, Y, Z, and then you'll be well, like that Mm -hmm. doesn't exist because there are so many complicated components. And so I appreciate wellness professionals that are like, I don't know everything. I don't know everything Mm -hmm. about you. I'm not going to be able to fix you with a formula. And it's a rare, it's rare to find them, but we do find them. Um, Especially for Rebel. Those are kind of the only people we will have anymore. Um, Yeah. Because yeah, it means something different to everyone. Yeah. And I think that's such a powerful point. And 
you know, I know that is what kind of made health coaching for me very difficult and draining. Um, even though I'm still very passionate about the education side and healthified and gratified allowed me to do that. So it's like almost like I found my ideal platform in that way. But with health coaching, like so many people would come to me just looking for that prescription or wanting me to tell them the formula for what it meant to be healthy or how much to eat, when to eat and when to eat. And I just kept on reiterating, like, I can't tell you that, but it's so foreign to people. And that's why they look outside themselves and to others for that suggestion, because so many people don't know that they have to tune into themselves because again, I can come back to a lack of self-trust or just unknowing. And, you know, it, it can be, it's just such a journey for people to just have to, you know, bring it well, back to. Yeah. And sadly, like the wellness industry and just wellness in general is another place that we think we can have control. Right. So if I can just yes. control what I eat and control how much I'm moving and control X and control Y and have all these perfect pieces of this formula in this place, like then I'll have XYZ results that also is probably not connected to what you actually want, right? Like it's often these like external things that we're shooting for and then we're calling it wellness. And it's like, no, yes. like being thin doesn't mean being well. Owning a fitness studio and being in good physical shape doesn't mean you're healthy. Like right. there's so many just unspoken things going on and our society rewards people for looking a certain way versus feeling a certain way. And so yes. you have to decide for yourself, like how, which you're going to put your, you know, money on time on energy on. And right. As a health coach, I would imagine it's really challenging because probably everyone needed to go to therapy for a long time before they got to you, but they yes. just go straight to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I was like, you don't need a health coach. You need a therapist. Like not said in like a, you know, a condescending yes. way or anything, but I was like, I'm not yeah. a licensed therapist. And, and a lot of it too was like food relationships and exactly what you totally. said, control. And I mean, I saw it in myself over the past year, even with COVID, oh. like when there was so much anxiety and uncertainty, especially from a business perspective, I, and I knew what I was doing because I have such consciousness for it. So many people don't have consciousness that that's what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. But I saw myself wanting to like up my exercise routine and like needing to do all this hit and like told my husband we were going completely plant-based for months. And I, and I just, I saw it and I was like, no, and it took me weeks to be like, you're yeah. not here anymore. You're not doing this anymore. This is not the way that you operate anymore. So, um, yeah. man, COVID will bring back all the bad habits, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, so, but then the yeah. awareness brings you back. Right. And I think that yes. that's really what I hope that people who attend rebel, and participate in our programs get to a place that they just have more awareness and they can make their own choices from there. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people. For further learning, be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes and you can connect with us on Instagram at Healthified and at Gratified. Until next time.